Well, the word of God comes to us this evening. Uh, that comes to us this evening is found in Ephesians, as we read, uh, chapter 5. And it is verse 14 that we will be considering, considering where the word of the Lord reads, Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The title of the message is a wake-up call from the risen Christ, of the, or the wake-up call of the risen Christ. And we will consider two points. We will consider, firstly, and uh, the, great, the, the, the largest section of the sermon, the serious call that is being made here. And secondly, as we conclude, we will see the wonderful promise that is made here for us. So as we consider this passage, we, we see that it, our text begins by Paul saying, Therefore he says, I just turn in my, in my Bible to Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Therefore he says, and the first great question that we need to ask is, who is the he in this passage it is the general opinion of uh, many commentators uh, and, and people who have written about this, this book of the Bible, about this passage, that Paul here is speaking about Christ. So then it is a word of Christ that is spoken here. It is a word of Christ that is being spoken here to us. It's not a word that is written in the Gospels. Other commentators say that this might have been a floating tradition, but from the context it is clear that Paul uh, is referring to Christ. And then he says, he says, Christ says, awake you who, who sleep. And because this is just by way of introduction and context, because of the poetical language uh, or structure of this verse, it is inferred by many commentators, and I tend to agree, that this was probably uh, a tradition, a floating tradition that was around, uh, that was passed down in hymn format, uh, a, a song sung by the early Christians. It, it's hard for us to see it here, but in the original Greek, there is a certain uh, metric, there is a certain poetical nature to, to these words that Christ says, that leads uh, many to believe that this was in fact a poem or a, or a hymn that was sung. That is why he says, and we are told, uh, a wake call is given by Christ. What is the reason for Paul to voice this wake, a wake-up call? This wake-up call. Again, by way of context, let me just tell you a bit of what was happening in Ephesians, in the church of in Ephesus, in this, in this period when Paul was writing to, to the church there. The city of Ephesus was a great city, one of the greatest a city famous for its culture, a city that was famous because of the, uh, the temple of Diana, the great uh, goddess of the Greek uh, religion, that was described, that was made, it is recorded for us in Acts 19, in Paul's third missionary journey, that uh, great is Di the Di Diana of the Ephesians. He was there in this great city, this metropolis of Ephesus, that Paul, in this th third missionary journey, established uh, a church, a local congregation, 
that consisted primarily of Jewish Christians who had been brought there. But what we know from the, the context of this letter is that later Gentiles started converting and joining themselves to the church over time. And over time, the majority of the congregation was Gentilic, was not Jews converted to Christianity, but Gentiles who had been brought to faith. Paul writes this letter uh, uh, years later after uh, establishing the church there. He is in prison and he is hearing things, news about the church. He is hearing that th things are not going so well. One of the things that he heard, that he, it is very much a concern, even in our days, is that the congregation in Ephesus was becoming intensely secularized. Instead of converting the world, because of the, the, the many people who were coming into the church, because of, uh, of the outward uh, pressures that they were under, the church was actually being converted by the world. The church was becoming indistinguishable from the, from the world. And that is always a very sad thing to see and a very dangerous thing. That is the reason why Paul sounds this alarm in our text today. Because of the secularization of the church. Because of God's children, uh, because God's children in this church were losing or had lost uh, their first love. That's why he says this. That's why he, he, he says, Christ says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. But I'm not going to try and apply this today uh, to us as a congregation. Because I think in, this, uh, in, this word from, in these words from this verse, we find something of the spiritual reality of every uh, person by nature in this world. So first of all, as we consider the great, uh, this, this wake-up call, this, this uh, urgent uh, wake-up call, I want you to look at the word dead there. I'm not going to tell you to underline it, uh, but mark it well. The Apostle Paul says, arise from the dead. And when Paul is talking here about arising from the dead, he's not talking about uh, physically dead people. We know this. In ordinary life, we understand what it means to be dead. A person is dead when he stops breathing, when his heart stops pumping. A person is dead when his brain stops functioning and having all those electrical inputs, uh, inputs in the neurons. A person is pronounced dead when those things happen. But the Word of God knows other types of death besides the physically dead. There are people who are very much look alive, but they are dead. The Word of God shows us that dead people might seem to be outwardly alive, but they are inwardly dead. For the Word of God speaks of, uh, of dead people who work, of dead people who marry, of dead people who, who have children, of dead people who grow old and eventually die in the body. It's as if the Word of God speaks of uh, this life as being a great graveyard that will only lead us to the, to the physical graveyards that we see outside of church buildings and in, in parks. 
That's why Jesus, he said once, let the, bury, bury their dead, let the dead bury their dead. What is Jesus saying there? That those who are spiritually dead, let them take care of their own dead. The death which I speak here, most of you already know because you've been coming to church for many years, is spiritual death. And spiritual death does not begin when we die. We are born spiritually dead. By nature, because of the sin of Adam, we are all born lacking the spiritual vigor, the spiritual life that we need. What is life? What is life then? Life is not just existing. Many people in this world exist, but they do not live as the Bible calls life, life. Why do they not live? Because they lack the communion with God. They don't have this relationship with God. And it, how can you have life if you lack the communion with, with the author and, the, and the, the source of all life? Real life is only experienced and had where, where there is fellowship and communion with the author of life. If there is no fellowship with God, then there is no life. There is only spiritually, spiritual death. And I know this might sound confusing, uh, especially to the children maybe. Let me try and explain this in, a, in an analogy, in, a, in, a, in an illustration. The best way to compare this maybe is to compare it to uh, flowers in a vase. Flowers in a, uh, that have been cut off from, a, from the root and have been placed in a beautiful vase inside. Moms love to do this, don't they? They love to have dead flowers in, the, in, their, in their living rooms and in their kitchens. And men just look at it and go, why is it so important for, for women uh, to have flowers? But besides the point, those flowers have been cut off from the root, so therefore they are dead. They still carry something of a, a, a physical appearance of life. They s still smell a sweet-smelling aroma. But be, make no mistake, that plant is dead on the inside. And the seeds of death are, and corruption are already at work in that plant. And it is the same spiritually. Although there is a certain kind of existence uh, while, we are still, uh, while, we are, while we are spiritually dead... Because we lack the, the, the connection to the author of life from birth, by nature, we are spiritually dead. We, all the seeds of, de uh, of death are already in us. What we call life now is nothing but just existence. It's just a steady death. I th when the, in the garden... The threat of death was given to Adam. It was said, dying, you shall die. And in a sense, dying, we, are, uh, we die. It is the, the, the story of life by nature. In our, in our connection to Adam, that we, while we exist and outwardly live, we are actually dying. We are actually dead. Dying, we will die. So what is it? What is life? 
We think we are alive because we have ears and we can hear. We think we are alive because we have legs and we can walk and go somewhere. We think we are alive because we have mouths and we can speak. But that is, in fact, why the Bible says we are dead. Because although we have ears to hear, we close them off to the truths of the Word of God. Because we have legs and hands to grasp and walk in things. We, we don't grasp the things of God. We don't walk in the ways of God. Because we have mouths to speak, we, and we don't speak the things of God, and don't praise the name of the, uh, uh, of the Creator, we are spiritually dead. There are people in church who assume that, that this is the real life. That this is the way we should live. There, perhaps there are people who assume that, that uh, real life is when you can uh, enjoy all these things and not think of, of the things of God. Perhaps you as a young man or a young woman who are uh, dragged into church. As someone who, who is dragged into church, you think, oh, I cannot wait for the, for the sermon to end. I cannot wait for when I am 18 and I can really go out there and enjoy my life and live my life to the fullest. Pull all the stops out and, and really go all out and live my life. That is a lie of Satan. That's how he lulls you to sleep. Although we will talk about sleep in a moment. That's how he lies to you. That is only to exist. That is not to live. The life we live by nature is a sham. It's an illusion. It's, it's non-existence. It's, it doesn't exist really. It's a life in the grave. We need to know this. That the life we live outside of Christ is death. And to rise from death to rise from the dead, as our, our uh, text calls us to, we, we are to rise to true newness of life. Now you may say, well, how is this possible? You may ask, how, how is it ever possible for someone to rise from the dead? You might say, perhaps you're saying, oh, I know I'm dead. You've told me that. I believe that. But how, how do I become alive then? How do I come out of death into life? How is that possible? It is only possible because of the truth of the resurrection, because of the truth of Easter Sunday. It is only possible because of what we read, or of what we read uh, at the beginning of the service from the, the, the Gospel of Mark. It is only possible because Christ was raised from the dead. The gospel is and means that Jesus entered into our death. And as he enters into our death and is raised on the third day, we may also be raised with him. And now it is possible to come from death into life through him. That's what he said, I am the resurrection and the life. So that is what it means here to be dead in this passage. But this passage also speaks of another word, Another call, another wake-up call. He says, awake you who sleep. Christ says, awake you who sleep. And yes, by nature, you and I, all, all sons of Adam are born asleep. In a deep sleep. 
of spiritual death, a slip, sleep of sin. Now it, it is, in the body, sleep is a very good thing. Let me tell you, sleep is, is very good. When it is done, uh, when you are healthy and only sleep those eight, depends on the, on, on the person, but some people sleep from six and a half hours, they say, to about nine, is, depends on the person, but those are the, the, the healthy ranges of sleeping. It is a very good thing to sleep. When you go to sleep in the evening, you wake up refreshed in the morning, and you can uh, work with vigor and joy. Sleep can also be a blessing, naturally speaking, to those who are sick. How often that's, uh, that has happened to you? You feel sick, you feel lousy, you go to sleep and you wake up as, you, as if you've been restored and the, the process of healing starts with, uh, with sleeping. So it is very important when, uh, to sleep. And while it is a blessing in the daily life, spiritually speaking, sleeping is the worst of, of things. It is a terrible thing in spiritual terms. Why? Because when you're asleep, you're unaware of your surroundings. You're unaware of dangers. That's what happens, right? You're asleep. Someone may come and, and take you. You don't know what's happening because you're asleep. Your eyes are closed. Spiritually speaking, being unaware, being in the sleep of sin, being unaware of sin, it is a dangerous thing. That's why our text uh, this evening calls us to awake from our sleep. As a person asleep does not, is not aware of the things of God. Like Jonah in the boat. Arise, you sleeper, and plead to your God, the, 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 the mariner said to him. In everyday life, we may have trouble waking up sometimes. It is hard to wake up sometimes. You didn't sleep enough hours or, or you don't want to wake up to, to something very serious that you're going to have to handle that day. And you don't, want to, you don't want to wake up. You really want to go back to sleep. You don't want your conscience to be reminded of the things you have to face. You'd rather lull yourself to sleep in real life. So it is spiritually. We don't want to be awakened. In fact, when the preacher talks about these things, you, you close your ears and you say, I don't want to hear, let me go back to sleep. Let me, let me go back to sleep. I don't want to hear these kind of things. I don't want my conscience to be aroused by the truths of, of the spiritual things that are before me. I don't want to have to deal with this. Let me go back to sleep. Close the curtains. I don't want any light coming in. That, that light hurts me. Isn't that what, what you do when, when the gospel is being preached? I don't want to hear about it. Close the curtains. I don't want light. I want to go back to sleep. There are many sleeping pills, uh, spiritually speaking. That's what we, uh, many people use, even Christians uh, at times, because of the fallenness of human nature, have to, to, to take some of these things. There are many sleeping pills, spiritually speaking. We want to keep on sleeping. We don't want to wake up to these things. We, we prefer to take some kind of super uh, sleeping pill and, and not have to deal with this. What are the kinds of, of sleeping pills we take when we, we, we go to church? Metaphorically speaking.
one very good uh, sleeping pill is the wrong use of the doctrine of, imp uh, of total depravity. Oh, I've heard you preachers say this. You've said that no one can believe for, of himself. No one can raise himself up from the dead. Therefore, I, I cannot do anything. You're telling me to wake up. I cannot wake up. So, that's my sleeping pill. You've told me I'm unable to wake up. You told me that I'm unable to, to bring myself uh, up. That's a very uh, dangerous sleeping pill to take. To excuse yourself in that way. To excuse yourself in, by saying these things. That you cannot convert yourself. That you cannot wake yourself from the death sleep that you are in. That you have to wait it out. That is a very good way to keep yourself asleep as you hear the word of God. But in fact, by nature, we are indeed all asleep. But the threats of the word of God are meant to awake us. It is are the means and the instruments that we receive those invitations to wake up. In everyday life, we, we, we cannot lull ourselves to sleep. In the spiritual terms, we cannot lull ourselves to sleep when we hear the warnings of the dangers. When we hear the sweet invitations of, sweet invitations of the gospel. In the natural world, some people uh, dream, right? We all dream. We all have dreams when we are sleeping. Spiritually speaking, sometimes those dreams are, are, are as real as well, or, or function in the same way. We dream that maybe our piety, that maybe our righteousness, that maybe our, our good works will do us some good. We just dream that maybe God will, will accept us because of who we are. Don't let that be your case. Don't take that sleeping pill. Wake up now. Don't sleep on anymore. Don't tell, the, don't tell yourself to close off those curtains of light when they come. You can be sleeping, but sleeping in a, in a very dangerous position. There are people who wish to sleep this way. And they say, oh, it will be all right. It's just the way it is. That is your situation now if you're outside of Christ. You're asleep, you're dead in your sins. You're, sl you're sleeping the sleep of sin. But now the waking voice of the risen Christ sounds to you. That's why he says, awake you who are asleep. Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead. Awake you. And you may ask, oh, please stop. Don't frighten me anymore. Don't tell me these things. Do not speak to me of the need I have for conversion. Don't disturb my rest. I'm so good resting like this. Why are you bringing these kind of things to me? There are many. There are many who don't want to be disturbed in their sleep. They would come to, rather come to church and nod off, both literally and metaphorically, nod off in sleep and not hear to these things. Fortunately, it sometimes happens as well. Many times fault of the preacher, true. Many times the, the, the fruit of an unwilling heart to hear. 
But remember, the Lord calls you and he says to you, Awake, you who sleep. Hear his voice, he calls out, he says, Awake up now. Wake up, turn to me. Turn to me and be saved. Many, many, many think, oh, you cannot say that. You cannot make this offer. You cannot say these things. Uh, uh, Hyper-Calvinism, you know hyper-Calvinism, right? You cannot make this kind of offer and say to people to uh, wake up themselves. We know that they are are, uh, incapable of doing it. And it is a, 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 a many, you hear many people say that, that, they don't want to, to hear this kind of invitation. But this is the invitation that Christ himself taught us to give. This is the invitation of the word of God. Come unto me, Isaiah 45, verse 22, and be saved. Turn to me and be saved. Christ calls you. He says, awake. Why aren't you awaking for the truth of Christ? Why are you distracting yourself with, with all kinds of trivialities? Some people in, the, in church go, like to say in hyper-Calvinistic circles, but sometimes you find them in our circles as well, that there is no point in speaking to the dead. It is true, there is no point in speaking to the dead. They are dead. That there is no point in speaking to the dead because you, you, they will not listen. They are dead. But I'm reminded of the words of Ezekiel when the, the Lord told him to speak to dead bones. It is very much the instrument that God uses to call dead bones to life. To look upon a cemetery and say, Live! Awake! Rise from the dead! Here too the Lord speaks to the dead in this passage. He says, Awake you who sleep! Arise from the dead! Will they come to life if you speak to them? To those dry bones? Very, very dry? What does Ezekiel say? Lord, you know it. It is you who knows these things. Therefore, I speak to you today. As a dying man to dying man, as it is written here in the... Wake up. Wake up, you who sleep. Arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. I can say this because Christ will work because of Easter, because of Resurrection Sunday, because he himself was risen from the dead. And now the power that was at work in him as he was raised from that tomb is at work in, in the salvation of souls. Now, because Christ has conquered death, he can conquer death in the life of those who, who hear this, this call. That's why he can make that people alive. That's why he can wake up sinners. Because the word that is as it is preached by, by, by those who are expounding it, by, by those who are uh, going into the world and making disciples in obedience to the call of Christ, the word that is being spoken by those disciples, it is the word of Christ himself. So it is not useless to preach to the dead. But will that sinners be made alive through the preaching of the word? Will the dead rise from the dead? Yes! Because it is the Lord that does it. It's the Lord that can and will do it. 
Perhaps you will say, who, who will be the ones then? We know that only some have been elected in eternity past. Only some have been predestined, and it is true. And you may ask, who, who are those ones? You don't know. I don't know. But the Lord knows. But we are called to preach to dead people to awake. And that's what we should do. And that's what I'm doing to you. Wake. Awake, you sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. Because that's what happens when dead people are raised to life. It is Christ that comes into that uh, sleeping person and awakes them through the preaching of the word. Let us take a look at ordinary life again. Ordinary life is, is when someone is shaken awake. What happens when someone is shaken awake in the middle of the night? My wife sometimes that, complains that I wake her up uh, very abruptly uh, when, something, when, I, when, when something is happening. You, you become startled because you now wake up to reality and it's, it's like you, you, you need to, to get a grip of, of reality. You start to see reality. It is the same thing spiritually. What it means to be awakened from a sleep is that uh, what was uh, a, a gentle lulling into sleep, a dreaming off, snoozing off kind of mentality. Once you're awake by the preaching of the word, you just open your eyes to reality. You understand what is going on. You understand the danger you're in. And you come and you flee to Christ. It is like the prodigal son. He was asleep he comes to see the reality of his, of his need. That he was in a foreign land without hope. That, that his eyes are open to the fact that he's separated from the, the goodness of his father. Same thing with us. We are, when we awake from, this, from sleep, we open our eyes to the reality of our need. That we are separated from the father. That we cannot stand in the presence of God by our own selves. And then we begin. We begin that process of repentance. I will go to God. I will repent of my sins. I will plead for His mercy. I know my state of misery. I know who, what I've done. I look at my life from a very young age and all the sin I've committed, and all the things wrong that I've done. I know it. It is mine. I'll, uh, and then you come and you look to Christ and you realize that He took it all upon the cross. That it all, it's all forgiven. You come to the Father and the Father embraces you and kisses you and welcomes you. All of grace. Nothing left to do. How precious the Word of God becomes then to us. Even if it condemns us. Even if, it, if, if the Word puts us... Uh, 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 Throws, throws us into the ground of self-loathing. How precious the word sounds to us. Because it is also the, the same word that condemns us. It is the same word that offers us life. And Christ says to you, rise from the dead. Rise from the dead. That is all, what he, that is all he needs to say to you. Rise from the dead. And you will be risen from the death in him. This is about eternal life. We cannot miss it. 
There is no other way to stand before God. But there is a sense. And I know my, my thoughts are a little bit of, uh, going in many directions with this passage. But let, let me just make a, an application for the believers here as well. How often we fall back to sleep. I believe that Paul was saying these things to the church because it is possible for a, sh- a church to go back to sleep, to lose their, that first love. How often we do, those, we do this. How easily we fall back to sleep again. You know what John Calvin said of this passage? Or commenting on this passage, he said, even if we have been awakened by the call of God, even if we have been saved, even if we have been resurrected by the call of God, the Christian must continue in this throughout life. For he says that we will never be so well awake that God does not need to raise us uh, and wake us again in this life. How many times we deceive ourselves? How many times we we go back uh, after having received grace, uh, having to wrestle back with it, having to wrestle with being reawakened, with returning to that first love, having received the wake-up call, how often we struggle to stay awake. The call to get up must be heard again and again. So the call to wake up is not only for the, the, those here that do not yet believe. It's not only for, for, for those who might be listening who are not believers. It is a call for all of us to wake up. To be raised up to newness of life day by day. To crucify the old self. And to live uh, for Christ by faith day by day as we consider this morning. Let me finish just by pointing to the, to the wonderful promise. A very brief uh, point that I want to make here. At the end of this passage we read that it, it is Christ that will give you light. What a wonderful promise. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine upon you, and Christ will give you light, and Christ will shine upon your way. Does this mean that we first have to wake up before He shines upon our way? No, it doesn't. Does this mean that we have to raise ourselves from the dead before Christ will shine upon us? No. Does this mean that we must first do something and then the Lord will do something as, a, as an answer, as if we're co- cooperating? No. And fortunately not. Praise the Lord, it, it, it isn't so. Because nothing will ever come about it. It is all Christ's work. It's when He shines the light in the, in, in the sinner's life that we rise from the dead. It is when He shines the, the, the sun of righteousness of Malachi shines in our lives that we rise from the dead. It's when the darkness of that tomb is defeated on, on, on Sunday, uh, on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, in our lives, the darkness of our spiritual death is defeated. The stone is rolled away. The stone of our heart is rolled away by Christ's Spirit that we wake up and come and see the reality of life. So... So it is now for us 
He is the light of which Simeon sung, the light that was so great, so fair. It is Christ that makes his voice be heard. It is Christ himself who makes his voice of awakening ring out in the soul. It is Christ himself who calls out the, this alarm call, this wake-up call into our souls through the instrument of the preaching. But it is Christ who does it all. He is the light of the knowledge of God. We are by nature blind, by nature foolish, but he is the light of knowledge. He gives us light to know God. He gives us light to know ourselves. He gives us light to know him. Then he is not the only light of knowledge, but also the light of our consolation. He comforts our hearts as we, fear, uh, as we go to him for the forgiveness of our sins. The promise being made here is that if you know of this, uh, of this alarm, as you heard this, this, the preaching of the word this evening, the, the comfort is that Christ is already giving you light. Don't do away with it. Don't close back the curtains and fall and then gently lull yourself to sleep again. But come to him. Because he is also the light of comfort and the light of joy. That's what Peter said. And I'll close with the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. He says, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible, and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We don't need to see Christ, but we need to hear him call for us. And when we hear him call, we receive joy unspeakable and glorious. We receive joy inexpressible and full of glory because we receive the salvation of our souls, the end of our faith.